When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we preview the Women's College World Series Championship Series with ESPN's Holly Rowe. We give you the latest updates when it comes to OU football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, June 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of June, visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, we're actually recording this on Tuesday night. Right, because we want to get it out. We've got a very fun Women's College World Series championship preview with ESPN's Holly Rowe. So we we changed the recording schedule for softball. That's where we're at in our dedication to the Sooners right now, Ted. You got to do it. It's uh, it's the biggest thing going right now. Uh, I think people love talking about it, love hearing about it. So yeah, when you're playing in a championship. You slide the schedule around. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Flex the team, scheduling. Flex scheduling for the natty. That's there, right. There's, there's no doubt about it. So let's start there. Let, let's start with football guys talking softball. I was there, man. It was tense. There, there was pressure in the air. It was also hot. Once again, not acclimated to the heat. I was, and I made a horrible mistake. Wore a cotton t-shirt. Oh, it was a terrible mistake. I was so, like, dude, it was, oh. It was a horrible decision, but OU beat Stanford four to two in nine innings to make the women's college world series championship series. Ted, it wasn't easy, but they found, found a way to win and it's 51 in a row, man. Been dramatic, right? That, that Stanford team is tough with the young freshmen in the circle. Um, tough to generate runs, but, 
Yeah, man, it was it was drama filled, extended innings. I think I, at one point I was like, oh, okay, I think this is just going to go on for a really long time. But able to get the win, um, more clutch hitting for the Sooners. Uh, again, like outstanding defense, backing up their their pitching. All it takes typically is it's just a waiting game to see who's going to make the first mistake and uh, hint. It's never Oklahoma. So I thought it was just another really exciting game, and uh, they showed their dominance once again. Yeah, and, you know, kind of some fireworks early, right? The first inning for Stanford, and then the Sooners answering back, including that Jada Coleman home run, and then a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel for a while, man. It was settled in there, and uh, it was – Dude, I'm telling you, that girl for Stanford is legit. Yeah, and that that was it was fun to watch in person. Right now, I am I'm an offensive guy, and that applies to softball as well. <laughs> I, I want to see I want to see me some runs scored. I'm not gonna lie, but being there in person and seeing Kennedy and Ball, especially when it when when Jordy Ball came in late, right? What was that? The sixth. Mm-hmm. and they it was them the rest of the way it was it was just so much fun watching those two command the circle in the intensity the celebrations like i was all about it man like there was so much emotion from both of those women in the circle and they dude they were bringing heat it was it was really really fun to watch normally not a pitcher's duel guy but it was it was really entertaining to watch those women do what they do. And man, I'm I'm really glad the Sooners came came out on the good end of it because I I don't think my son, we took my son, I don't think he was gonna make it through the second game. I think we were gonna have a full meltdown, man. So I was very, very happy when Tiari Jennings did what she did. Well, yeah, and what there's lightning uh right after the game ended, right? So yeah. Who knows whenever that one would have been able to get underway. So, yeah, man, I, I thought it was awesome. Tons of emotion. You're right. Whenever you've got a, a tight game, base runners, runs are very difficult to come by. Like, every time you get on base, no matter how you get there, you could see the emotion and look like another great crowd. Like, I hate that there's – I don't know if it's – just a, a very select few that are um, haters, for lack of a better term. Or... There are haters. The haters are many. And it yeah. just it comes I, with the success. It, it is what it right. is. It is what it is. You know, I, I loved what Coach Gasso said about, listen, I, I back my players. I encourage them to to – you know, play with the energy and the fire that they do. And I think that's what makes them who they are. So you do what you do, man. You don't worry about anything else. Has, has anybody thought maybe more teams should do it that way? They do. That's the thing, right? They do pretty much every time you see uh, the, the Florida state, uh, Tennessee game. There was all kinds of emotion in that one. Stanford had all kinds of emotion. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. It's it's strange, but 
you know, I um I like the way that re- responded and you know if if you're going to rile up a team like I, if anyone could go into a championship series somewhat flat I could understand it's a team that's going for a three-peat and on a 51-game winning streak. Well, that ain't the case anymore, right? The haters have brought out the uh, the anger, so that's going to be a fired-up softball team. Yeah, and I'm, we know Patty Gass, so she's going to use whatever she can use. Now, she's smart about it, and she's selective about it, but, yeah, I'm I'm sure that that team doesn't lack motivation with some of the things that have been said, but, I mean, when you look at this tournament as a whole up to this point, the one thing that stands out to me about Oklahoma is Jordy Ball's ability to get out of jams. Yeah. Right. And it happened again in the Stanford game. What? It was in the sixth, right? It was in the eighth. Put a couple on base and she's nails, man. Yeah. two. uh, We're talking two on, no outs. Like, oh my gosh, how are they going to get out of this? And she just finds a way. Now, you can make the argument Stanford didn't execute well enough in those situations, and sure, right? But Jordy Ball, she's she's just been able to get out of that situation, and we'll see if those situations arise in the Champ Series. I, I'm i not betting against her getting out of it unscathed. You know what I mean? That's just, she's been excellent when she's had to really buckle down and and, and focus in and get those those three outs. It's been... It's been really impressive to watch. Yeah, and the thing that I always harp on, the defense that she has behind her is next level. They just they do not make mistakes, especially in crucial moments. And, you know, that's typically ends up being the difference between, you know, especially in tight games, the other team feels the pressure, step outside of, of what they typically do. The clock gets sped up in their head a little bit, and – they end up making costly errors and the Sooners take advantage of it. So yeah, she's, she's awesome. Whenever she's, she's in those tough situations, she's got great defense behind her. She trusts them. Um, it's just a well-oiled machine, man. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that defense, it, it was really good to see Grace Lyons have that hit in the ninth inning, right? That's what fueled it there in the ninth. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, she was due and the yell she let out, I, I know they say they're not results oriented, but they're human beings, man. When you've been in a slump and you finally get one, you you got to let a bit, little bit of it out. So that was uh, that was big time for her. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, sparked them. What'd you think of the response by Stanford? You know, to to walk Jada Coleman. I I assume, I and I I saw their coaching staff say, "Hey, we do it again." By the way, when, why would you do it again when you know the, what the outcome was? It, like if you could go back in time, no, you would do it differently because you know if you were going to do what you were going to do, T.R. Jennings was going to win the game with the double. Like you, you wouldn't do the same thing. I hate when people say that. If you knew the result, you'd do it differently. I mean, come on. Let's, let's, let's just use common sense. Well, I was convinced, like, because here's the weird thing. Um, you walk. Jada Coleman to pitch to T.R.A. Jennings. Like, there's a difference between those two, but they're it's like one A and one B. Yeah, I thought for sure they were going to walk T.R.A. Jennings too. 
That's what I was saying in the in the stands. Yeah. And and I understand if you walk them both, right? Then yes, if you walk the hit you walk the batter at the plate or run scores, you hit the batter, run scores, like you you there's some more risk in taking that that approach. But with how good Kennedy had been, I thought they were gonna walk them both and pitch to Erickson. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't even think they needed to intentionally walk Jada Coleman. I was pretty surprised balls high in the zone because that's what she's been chewing on the whole time. You know, I I, listen, they know way more about softball than me, but me too. I, if I'm a coach in that situation, I know what the percentages say, but it goes back to what Patty told us when we interviewed, interviewed her before the postseason started. Sometimes you just got to use your gut. Right. And if I'm in that situation, Kennedy, who had just been dominant, right? She's a complete stud. I walk up to her and I frame something like, hey, you want to pitch to her or do you want to walk her? And of course, she's going to say, I want to pitch to her. And then that just gets the juices going even more. Mm-hmm. And then you turn to her, you say, well, then let's pitch to her then. And you walk away. Yeah. If that was me, now, that's how I would handle it, but I'm not a head softball coach. So maybe maybe I say that, and the numbers tell you definitely walk in that situation. You get the force at second and first. I get it, but I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't have walked her. I would have let my stud. I would have gone down swinging with my best player. Yeah. Um, like you can – you can pitch to her, but still walk her. Right. Like See how the first two pitches go. That's kind of how I'm I'm sitting here. I'm like, they haven't been able to lay off that rise ball high in the zone at all. Just keep throwing it to them. If you throw throw four straight, or you throw even eight straight, you go right at same thing with T.R.A. Jennings, so be it. But, hey, the results are what they are. You know, it still had to come down to – TRA, which had not been great against um, Kennedy either, right? No, so it's it's no not like <laughs> right. So she still came up. Well, I don't want to take anything away from her. Like totally, I mean, beautiful hit, right center, got all of it. That was it. Was just awesome to see it unfold. I I wonder if Stanford's coaching staff, because you you have your analytics right. What do the percentages say? You can look at the head-to-head, all these things. You, you've got all that data. How do you factor in knowing that it's her birthday? Or did you know that it's her birthday? Because I don't bad care what scouting. That's bad scouting. You, you got to know that, man, because that changes the math. I don't care what you say. Like, hey, how cool would this story be? You have to, you have to think to yourself as a coach, it's her birthday, of course she's going to hit the game winner in this situation. We can't pitch to her. Move on. Like, you got to know that. Th- those are the real analytics right there, Ted. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I would also factor in, like, kind of like what you said. I, they said they would have done it again. But how does how does Kennedy feel about like Because, you know, she, I'm sure, feels like she could have got uh, what they needed done. Well, and, she'll think about it for a full calendar year. 
Either that or she'll think about it for 10 minutes and jump in the portal. <laughs> I, I, I assume you've seen all the stuff from OU fans that I've oh, seen. Yeah. yeah. I, I know they're kind of joking, but there's a lot of people that are serious. I just want to remind people, let, let's not tempt sports karma. That's right. Slow roll. Like all of a sudden you, you really tempt it like that saying, Hey, how soon is Kennedy going to be in crimson and cream? And all of a sudden we're losing a star football player to Georgia. And it's going to, you're going to be like, no, no, I'm just saying, let's be careful with our approach on this. I know, I know where the bees knees and softball. I get it, but just let's not, let's not tempt sports karma. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I know what people are saying right now. It's like sports karma, like, the Heisman Trophy winner transferred away from our school last year, so we're due would, one. But would, Can- would Kennedy balance it out? Maybe so. I don't know. I I just it was it was fun to watch, and we have not seen the last of uh, Kennedy. She's oh. they're going to be right back in that same spot next year. Yeah, All she's going to be better. The Stanford Stanford has a lot of rich alumni. If they know what they're doing, they'll they'll keep her around. Right, because yeah. she she's the type of player you can build a like a really good program around. Yeah, which you know I, I will say this, I I think she she's going to come away as as probably the star player of the women's college world series. Right, mm-hmm. and she didn't get the she didn't she was zero two in both of those performances. Right, so it's interesting, but I think everyone kind of recognizes how good she is there. We ended up with the right matchup. I think you got the two best teams in the championship. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's let's get to our, our championship series preview with Miss Holly Rowe. It is our pleasure to be joined by the most beloved sports journalist on planet Earth. Holly Rowe is in the house. How are we doing? Stop girl? it. Stop it. Please Come say on. it again. It's true. Stop it. It's Please true. say it again. <laughs> I love What's that up? you feel that way. That makes me happy. How uh, obviously having you on to talk about the to preview the championship series between OU and Florida State, but do you want to just talk uh, a little women's college world series with you before we get to the matchup? You have covered this event for years. Now, how how cool is it for you to see what this event has become here in Oklahoma City? You know, it's really crazy. This is my 19th season covering the World Series. It would have been my 20-year anniversary, but we lost the one year to COVID. And it's wild. Like, I started covering this when there were just, you know, what one lower-level grandstand that just went about to the third base and first base dugouts. There was no outfield. There was just a grass. You know, there was just a fence back there. There was a grass berm on either side of the right and left field. And now we've got a double-decker stand. We're setting attendance records every time. There's 13,000 people there. 
um, it, it's people coming from all over the world. I have people texting me from Australia that they're up watching games at 4.30 in the morning. People came from Canada. So I just think it's really taken over the, the sports world. Softball was already a really big sport with, um, how do you say it? Like the layman, the recreational. Like I know so many people that play in recreational softball leagues. So I think softball has this really wide appeal that people didn't really understand until we sort of started putting games on TV at this level. And it's just boomed, like just out of this, out of control. So uh, there are, there are several things like talking points that have come up because of OU. Right. And one of them is, is the dominance that they've had here recently in this stretch that they're on it. Is it good for the sport? Is it bad for the sport? How, how do you view that? It is great for the sport. I would always get so frustrated when every year UConn would get to the final four because they got to the final four for 11 straight years. They've won 11 national championships. Um, this has been the most dominant sports team I ever covered in sports. And every year, some male writer would say, this is bad for women's basketball. And those of us who are in the sport lives it and breathes it. I, I would say it was the opposite because it was setting a standard that people were trying to chase. And at the beginning, People thought it was impossible. And then people kept trying and kept getting better. And now you see programs all around the country that are bigger, better, good enough. And that's all because they've been chasing UConn. You could say that women's basketball is in better health with more teams, more talent, more depth, more stars than it's ever been. And I will say UConn gets a lot of credit for that. So Oklahoma, listen, they're in an unusual place because they have kind of been this loved team, this scrappy team. Everybody loves Patty Gasso. She's an ambassador of the sport. Well, now that they're this dominant juggernaut, they're getting a lot of pushback. They're getting judgment. I just literally came from a meeting with Patty and I want to read these comments to you. She said, it's really hard to stay in the bubble of just us. The expectations are beyond belief. And I have to figure out a way to make sure that we stay there and I'm steady for them but the judgment is so strong against us right now. And I just think it's really interesting to see that people for some reason are taking a 51 game win streak as a negative. It's only beautiful. It's only positive. It's only awesome that these young women have found a way to compete at this level. So um, I, I find it fascinating how people take winning in this right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of similar to, conversations we've had about Alabama football, you and I in, in the past. And, you know, one of the main reasons you look at the women's college world series being in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma's excellence in this run that they're on. People like to say, Hey, it's the home field advantage. That's playing a huge role. Like how important do you think that is to Oklahoma's success on the biggest stage in the sport? I do think it's important. So I, I actually can understand and see people's anxiety and concern about Oklahoma getting too much of a home field advantage. And here's why. They're driving back to Norman at, and sleeping in their own bed some nights. They are driving back to Norman and using their own practice facility and their own technology. And no other team here is getting to do that. I, I think that is not fair. Um, but the crowds... You know, it wasn't always for Oklahoma softball. I've been here and done games where there weren't that many Oklahoma fans in the stands. Patty Gasso has built this. People are coming to watch OU because of what she's built. Um, 
risks. So I, I can understand that, you know, if you're Florida State, and you have one tiny little section because it's hard to get here from Tallahassee. That could be frustrating. But this is the community that invested in women's softball. This is the community that decided to build this big stadium to accommodate the growth. And so this is where it is. And until other communities would want to step up and bid on this and put in the resources, then this is where it is. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. You, you know me and my love for Oklahoma City, right? I don't hide that. but You hate to hear the haters on it, right? I, I just get annoyed when people, especially softball people, when they say, oh, you need to move it. You need to move it somewhere else. And they never offer where it should be moved, who's investing. Like my hometown has spent an incredible amount of money and time and invested in the sport. And these people want to move it just because OU's too good. That that is frustrating to me. Yeah, I I I totally get both sides of this conversation because Yes, there's an advantage when it's, you know, out of the 13,000, there's probably eight of them that are cheering for Oklahoma. I get that. And if you're an opponent, that doesn't feel good. But they built this and it had to get like this. You know, if you picked this up and moved it to, let's make an argument for California. Are they going to get 13,000 people every night? I don't know. We haven't seen them do that. Um, Are we going to pick this up and move it to Florida? We can't play in Florida at this time of year. It's too hot. You know, are they going to pick it up and move it to Atlanta? I, I don't know. Why would you just move it for the sake of moving it? Um, I, I don't think that's right. But, you know, I, I love it. I love it. It's a great conversation to have. And it's because we've built this. This has been this has been built over years and years and years. And it's only gotten crazy like this really since the stadium expanded in the last six years. So, Thank goodness Oklahoma's been good and got the money and that they, this community was invested and wanted to spend money on bringing more people here. It's great for the economy, but they stepped up and did it, so they shouldn't be punished. Yep, I, I completely agree. Thank you. Thank you, yes. for, <laughs> thank you for making me feel good, Holly. Okay, Patty Gasso, you, you cover all kinds of sports. Where does she kind of stack up for you when it comes to the best coaches you've been around and you've covered? Yeah, I mean, I've had the privilege. I'm I'm one of these lucky people that I have been around Joe Paterno, Nick Saban, um, you know, all uh, some of the greats. Lavelle Edwards at BYU is one of my great coaches. Um, Bobby Bowden at Florida State, Gina Oriama, Pat Summit, Tara Vanderbeer, like the greatest of greatest coaches that we have ever seen in our lifetime. I, I've been really lucky to cover and get to know them intimately and personally. And Patty is as good as all of those people. And it's because she has this unique competitive mindset. She, I've played cards with her in her house and she wants to kick my, you know what we have thrown down in some vicious Uno games in her living room. Um, I am currently the champion. I did win the last time I played Uno with the Gasso family, but like everything she does is competitive. And that's how I am. And so I speak her language. I admire it. I see it. And the other thing I really love is she set a standard with Oklahoma softball, you know, program building. You have to set this standard and then keep hitting your own standard year after year. And she calls it a championship mindset. This is a woman who routinely would kick all Americans out of practice, kick people out of the practice if they weren't meeting the Oklahoma softball standard. And I think that that piece is really hard is to build a culture, build a program and set a standard and then keep meeting it 
year after year. We're seeing Georgia start to figure that out right now in football and Kirby Smart to start to figure out how do you repeat and repeat and push that standard. It's really hard. And um, I'm seeing Patty Gasso do it, and I'm just in awe of her. She She's really fantastic. Okay. I agree, by the way. I definitely agree. Let's talk about the championship series. When, when the okay. bracket came out, this felt like the most likely matchup that we'd end up with in, in the champ series. Florida State, what, what have you seen from them so far? What has stood out with what you've seen so far from them at the Women's College World Series? Yeah, grit. Grit and determination. And this is a feisty team. Lonnie Alameda actually played softball at OU. She was, um, that's where she started her softball career. She was a, Jason, or a transfer from a smaller college. I think she went to St. Mary's University in Texas, then transferred to Oklahoma and played for her, the rest of her career there. So all things do run through Norman. But um, Lonnie Alameda has done a great job with those same things I was just telling you about is culture building. You know, they won the national championship back in 2018, and she's been able to build that Florida State expectation and culture to do what Patty Gasso is doing in repeat and replenish and reload and get that same standard of performance out of the new players. Um, She does some really cool stuff motivationally and psychologically. They've been reading this book by Trevor Moad. He's been a performance coach in college sports for a long time. He passed away recently, but he wrote a book with Russell Wilson called It Takes What It Takes. And it's, it's something like the everyday guide to gaining control of your life by neutral living. If, if you react and you get too high or you get too low and get depressed, you don't succeed because you have these wild swings of emotion. You need to be staying neutral to perform and execute every day. So they, they have a lot of cool things. One of them is um, execution over expectation is you can get bogged down by all the expectations from the outside, but if you just focus on the execution of this pitch, this play, this bunt, you will succeed. And then they also have these cool wristbands. So they have these wristbands that if there's a moment, so Gabe, let's say you and I are doing a show together and I make a mistake and I start dropping my head and I'm down on it. And I'm just like, Oh man, you, you would make me change my wristband from one wrist to the other to do a physical change, a physical movement to try to reset my mind. And then you would give me a pep talk and say, listen, Holly, you're better than this. You're a better researcher than this. Get your facts straight, get this together. And you would pull me out of my failure. And it was, it's a a physical way to reset failure with these wristbands. And so you'll see all the kids on the field tomorrow with these wristbands on, and they just have some really cool culture pieces um, that I think will resonate with fans because it makes them this gritty, feisty, resilient team on the field. Those are those are great, great pieces of information that only you have, right? That that is that's your specialty right now. Now, looking at what has to happen for them on the field for Florida State to challenge Oklahoma, because Oklahoma comes in as the favorite. Just how good does Catherine Sandercock have to be? Yeah, the the thing that's interesting. So Catherine Sandercock's been their ace. Um, she told us today a story that I wonder if OU fans remember. They were six outs away from winning the championship in 2021. They had one game one. They were six outs away. And then an error led to a Jocelyn Allo home run. And the rest is history. So she reminded us of that today, that she was on the mound in those moments of failure. And she said, I have felt that disappointment of not coming through for my team 
in those big moments. And I know how to handle it better right now. But you're going to see a staff of pitchers because Lonnie Alameda is really big into all of these analytics of you cannot have one pitcher three times through the lineup. You just can't do it. The days of riding one arm here at the Winds Called World Series are over. So you'll see a starter. You'll see a middle reliever. You'll see a closer. Kat Sandercock will come in and close. She might start. You know, like it's there's all kinds of different ways that they're going to use their pitching staff, and it's going to be fascinating. Is it good enough against this OU lineup? That's the big question. Yeah, looking at Florida State's lineup, right, what they can accomplish at the plate, do you think – do you think they have enough firepower? They do. You know, the, the thing is, Lonnie Alameda said it this way. She's like, we look at our pitching lineups, like how many runs are we willing to give up? So they might give up and say like, hey, we can afford to give up three or four runs in this game because we know we have the firepower in our lineup to come back and get those. Um, so they're going to take some risks in the circle with matchups and lefty on lefty or, you know, all these kind of things. Right now, I think they've got some great productivity. Their catcher, Michaela Edenfield, is just seeing the ball, simplifying her approach. Um, I think she has something like four hits at the World Series and three of them are home runs, something like that. So she's seeing the ball very well. But then the other way they do it is getting these scrappy, fast players on base like Kaylee Mudge, Josie Muffley. They get them on base and they put pressure on your defense. So now OU's defense has 16 errors all year. They're the best defense in the country. So I, I don't know if that approach will work against OU, but we'll see. They'll put some pressure on them in this stage and, and you know, try to scratch out some runs any way necessary. We, we've known each other for a while now, and, and one thing I know you love is a female athlete that carries herself with a lot of confidence. So what do you think of Jordy Ball? I mean, just everything about, I, everything about her, it seems like she'd be – She'd be right up my alley. Yeah, right up your alley. She's right up my alley for a couple things. She is an undersized pitcher. One of the things I really appreciate Jordy Ball is um, I'm just trying to look at her height right here. I think Jordy's 5'8". In pitching, that's on the shorter side. But what I love about her is she is a workout monster. She's working out in the weight room on her own, away from the team, three times a week, plus doing all the team lifts. Um, you see her routine in the circle and it is like gathering every bit of kinetic force and energy from the tippy toes to deliver that pitch. Um, I I just like her mindset. She's a baller. She's a competitor. She wants to win. And I, and I love that she's doing it at her frame and she's kind of like no nonsense. Like this is how I do it. This is what I'm good at. And I'm just going to get all the rest of the noise out of my head. I know you can't make a prediction or anything like that, because you're going to be on the broadcast. But just how excited are you for this matchup? Yeah, I'm really excited because this is kind of an Oklahoma team of destiny, 51 straight wins. Can they finish the win streak with a championship? You know, we've seen long win streaks in sports before. I did a UConn 111-game win streak ended on a shot from Mississippi State's Morgan William. I did that game. So I know these streaks can end. I know they're not forever. But this team feels like a team of destiny. But I tell you what, if you got to sit down and meet with Lonnie Alameda of Florida State and meet with her players, you would fall in love. These are wonderful players, wonderful women, just kick-ass girls. Um, uh, the, the shortstop, one last, one last story, the shortstop, Josie Muffley. She has suffered a broken neck, 
a broken back, a broken ankle, a broken wrist. Many of those were from when she was a hockey player. Didn't start playing softball until her junior year of high school, which is unheard of. And here she is starting for Florida State in the World Series. So take a look at the shortstop, Josie Muffley. You'll fall in love with her as well. But I I just think it's a team of destiny with a team that's going to have to play perfect and feisty and aggressive and unconventionally to try to upset that team of destiny. I... I love everything you're giving me about Florida State, but I hope they lose, Holly. I can't lie. I just I hope they lose. I love your OU Sooner fan fanness. I will hey, never fall. I before. mean, I I am the way I am. All right. Well, you're the best. Uh, th- thanks for coming on, and we'll see you at the stadium on Wednesday. I know. Thank you for loving softball for getting into it. You are there in the stands. Your your five week old babies in the stands with you. Like if nobody loves softball more than you and your wife, Caroline, I, I don't know who it is. So I'm, I'm grateful for you and your support of softball. You've just been amazing. Have a great call. Thank you. Well, well, well. Holly thinks OU's dominance is good for the sport. That's all I need. That's all I need. If she thinks that, she, hey, she's covered this sport much longer than pretty much anyone else. So I'm, I'm going to take her word for it. Yeah, I, I think I think it is too. Um, you know, whenever you have a team that's as good as Oklahoma is right now, like it, it takes the field a while sometimes to catch up. But when they do, they are way better than they were before. It just continues to push the level higher and higher. So I, I think it's a good thing for the sport as well. But it ain't going to be easy. I They're they're up against a really good Florida State team. Great pitching. Uh, good offense. They've got power in their lineup. That's another really good defensive team. They're coached really well. Lonnie Alameda out there in the sweat jacket. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a great series. What's your prediction? I think game one is going to be really tight. I think we beat them 5-4 when they came to Norman this year. Uh, I would expect another game similar to that. Um, Sander Cock for, for Florida State has thrown a ton of innings. She She's like, I looked at it today, she's like a 100 and something and 11 in her career. Uh, as a pitcher, it's it's incredible, and she's great. Low batting average against her, low ERA. Uh, played in a ton of big big games. I think it's going to be a a fairly low scoring game. Like I said, it was five four when we beat them in Norman. I think it's going to be in that same ballpark. I think we throw Jordy Ball. Um, I think we get the win in game one. Game two is going to be interesting to me. Um, you know, they've got a, they got a good, uh, you know, second arm that is young and, and throws some, some gas pretty good. Hasn't thrown nearly as many innings as, as Sander Cock, but, um, I think we grow with Jordy ball in game one and game two, if we got the opportunity, we have the lead or, or even if it's tied late, I think they bring Jordy ball in for kind of a closer situation like we saw against Stanford. Yeah. And I, if my memory serves me correctly, that's that's what they did in the matchup earlier in the year. I think Starocco right. started and Jordy Ball came in and closed. That's right. So, selfishly, 
I'll, I'll just be real with you, man. Sooners in two, because I'm leaving the country on Friday afternoon. So if we're going to do a recap pod, it's going to be early Friday morning, my friend. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's Sooners in two. And my only reasoning is I just, I need it to be that way. Selfishly. That's, that's what I need. That's where I'm at. I'd say there's a high likelihood of that. I do. Because like, if you're, if you're Florida state and you don't get them in game one, there's that ominous, how in the world are we going to beat them in two straight? Not to mention there's going to be, if the place holds 14,000, there's probably going to be 13,500 Sooner fans there. So it's just, it's going to be a very difficult environment for Florida state. Well, I will be there. So I, I will be cheering extra hard because I need Sooners and two. Nice. It's <laughs> what we need. All right. Let's talk some OU football, but first loves travel stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Loves Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals that can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the place to get all of your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want and they've restocked life. their softball gear. Ah, new, I don't know why I sang that. I'm in singing mode. Softball gear, ready to roll. So uh, check them out. Opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Of course you are. Then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game like the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Duh. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, OU football updates. So. I'm I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to frame this in a way that doesn't make us sound really creepy, okay? <laughs> because somehow, some way, this has become kind of an annual tradition for you and I. The the freshmen that weren't early enrollees arrive, right? And OU for years now, they put out pictures of the guys moving in. At the move-in process now, there's some funny ones of coaches usually, but there's usually some of the guys. And we send each other pictures of the move-in process and critique what the guys look like. Hey, I don't pretty good looking uh uh physique here on uh on the young backer. Yeah. I it's interesting. I don't know if that makes us strange. I don't know if we're the only people that do that, but it's happened several years in a row. Now, so first of all, no picture is better than the one that OU football's Twitter posted of Bill Beatonboat with the biggest smile ever 
you've seen on his face. Just pure joy on that man's face. And hey, he actually does smile. He's actually fun. He's a kind guy. He's awesome. I promise. That was that was such a genuine picture of Beatenbow for them to put out. That that brought that brought warmth to my heart to see that smile on his face. Hang it in the loop. You remember that time when you know how Kanye never smiles whenever he's anywhere? And there's that one time where someone caught him smiling on video and he like quickly like changed his face. That's probably how uh, Bill was whenever he saw them snapping a picture. He, yeah, someone got yelled at for that, probably. Yeah, but, but hey, man, um, seeing the the guys that were not early arrivals come through, yeah, it's interesting, right? You know, they've had a spring to uh, to continue to usually hit the weights, and you know, the other guys were in spring ball. It's a little bit different. Um, and let's be honest. It's it's our first chance to see those guys. Like, I've already seen the rest of the freshmen look like uncoordinated, horrible players as they're trying to make their way through their first spring, right? So I've lost all hope for those guys. This is the new batch. Like, yeah, these guys are awesome. And then when training camp rolls around and I see him go through individual drills, it'll be like, okay, we'll see you next year, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's typically how it is. But. The picture that got, I would say, our attention the most is the one. I think it was Heath Ozida's mom that posted it. Oh, okay. And it made the rounds. And it was of Ozida and McIntyre standing with Venables. And it led to me to a question, Ted. Who's the last tight end that we've had that looks like he belongs on Iowa's roster? or Notre Dame's roster, or one of those places that you would say is considered a tight end factory. George is probably in that conversation. Now, I mean, if that guy's only 230, that's a that's a big dude. Like, McIntyre looks huge. He looks <laughs> unlike any tight end. I mean, who's the last tight end that Oklahoma's had that looks like that? As a uh... freshman. I don't even know. Maybe his coach, Joe Joe John Finley, big old six six dude coming in. But I don't even think he was he wasn't that thick at that no. age. Um, that's what happens when you live in a weight room, right? Is that what the McIntyre family uh, does? I I don't know if that if they actually physically live in it, Dad. But they spend a lot of time in there. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no, he looks great. He's. I, I think I said to you that's like some some future offensive tackle vibes there from Kate McIntyre. Yeah, you said that, and I I talked you down because yeah. I just don't think we're used to. We just haven't had a a tight end with that body type. Yeah, in quite some time, and you could bring up Mark Andrews or Stogner when he initially came in. They didn't look like that dude. I yeah. mean, remember Mark Andrews looked just like a jumbo wide receiver. Yep. This guy looks like he's already really been in a – I mean, he looks like he's already been in college a couple of years just with the way that he's put together. Or maybe it's just the one picture. Hell, I don't know. Maybe but, it is, but he looks like he's got like a heavy bone structure too, you know, he, like the frame. He just looks like an old-school giant tight end. That, that's what he looks like. He looks like a guy that's 
capable of playing tight end in the National Football League, like a do-everything type of tight end. Right? Like yeah. he should be at Notre Dame or Wisconsin or Michigan, you know, one of these, but he's at Oklahoma, and I'm real excited about it. I hope he's really good. I do too. Um, you know, if he goes out there and looks super athletic, he's going to be a great defensive end for us. It's going to be awesome. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Why would you do that to me? Well, I think um, I think depth at tight end right now would suggest that he's uh, he's got a home. Yeah, I. You also you got to point to some of the salaries that these tight ends are making in the NFL and be like, hey, oh. come on, man. Well, I, you know, especially I think- he could be two fifty in no time, man. I I'm mean, not sure he's not already. That's a good point. I don't know when that two thirty number was uh, was listed. If that's like a uh, something that's happened lately, I, I mean, got the two thirty number from a clip of him running the sixty meter, and I think I can't remember if it's his football coach or his track coach. He tagged Joe John in it, and they said he was two thirty, huh? And that was that was his track weight. Nice. So, yeah, maybe he is two forty already right now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he's he looks like a guy that's going to um, size is not going to be an issue. And let's face it, um, like in the NFL, that is that's really a, a, a position that separates a lot of of really good teams, right? Um, right. And you don't have to look very far to see the team that won a national championship last year, what they got at tight end. Right. So I feel like, especially if Bowers has another big year, like that's going to kind of be the new trend um, in college football. And I know that that teams, that's not necessarily a new thing, but I, I think it's an important, if you can work a tight end into your offense and, and kind of feed them and, and have some success there. I think I think that could take you a long way. Yeah, and it's been a while, and, and we'll see. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on Cade McIntyre. Like, the guy just got there. Yeah. But a dynamic playmaker at tight end that can also block. I mean, Braden Willis was a good player, right? But I wouldn't say, as a pass catcher, he was a dynamic player i we mark andrews is the last serious threat at the tight end position that oklahoma has had as a pass catcher yep and they didn't ask him to block a lot and now he's a very very solid blocker because he's turned himself into one in the national football league but man you just see mcintyre's frame and my mind just starts going on a just a way you can use a guy that's built like that. And it can be, it can be such a weapon in an offense. Yeah. And, and he's like a a lot of times you get, there's like a, when you get to that size, there becomes almost like a, like, like a goofy nature, almost to the way that guys move. And if you have a guy that like remains, like really athletic and has like that still that quick twitch. It's like a, it's like a total game changer because you just, those guys can eat you up on the line of scrimmage. 
and then, you know, they step out and split out and you just don't have the physicality and the ability to run with those guys. And it's like, you know, you, it's Stogner's got the ability for this too. You just, when you, when you can run and you can run a, away from leverage and you've got a, a massive size advantage, it's just becomes very difficult to cover those guys, man. Yeah. So no pressure on McIntyre, <laughs> but based off that one picture alone, I expect him to contribute significantly as a freshman. That's right. Whether it's special teams or I, I don't know. It's a good picture. It's a good picture. You don't want to be a guy that's got, you know, the the muscles that are just there for looks. That's true. Got to see if you can put them to work. Yeah. I. One of the other pictures, as we continue our very awkward analysis of the pictures, Taylor Heim, he, that guy's got an interesting frame, man. Yeah. I, I've got no clue what their plan is for him. Uh, and I'm not even sure if they have one yet, right? Guy just got there, but he just looks so long and lean and, and athletic. I, it, body type kind of reminds me of Stutzman when he got here. Yeah. Where you saw me, you're just like, I don't know like what this kid's going to be, but he looks like a big athlete, and you can never have too many of those. Uh, I know when he committed, we talked about you know, his versatility and maybe what he could end up being as a player, but just an interesting frame, man. Yeah. A lot of length, a lot of neck in there. Yeah. Uh, he needs to go to the guy. layman school of disappearing necks. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, I, I don't know, you know, just he's one of those guys that burst onto the scene late and he, he just, he looks like a fluid athlete out on the edge and, I mean, my guess is that's where he's going to start, and we'll just just kind of see what see what he does. But yeah, he's a guy that you feel like could play possibly a couple of different positions. Yeah, and then there is a picture of Lewis Carter. We have so many backers, and the Omasigo looks great. Um, yeah, he looks tall and lean and athletic. You got to be getting a lot of backers for the uh, for for Venables at head coach. Shocking, right? I'm I'm stunned, and maybe it's it's not pictures, but it's a video. Maybe the weirdest thing of the week, dude. Stutzman and Canick are getting even weirder. Yeah, and there, there's another Samurai Sword video, and I think did the dog get murdered in it? Yeah, did, yeah. it looked fake to me murder like... of the dog. It almost looked as if it's a, oh, like, I can't get through your defense, but I'm going to hurt you where it really matters, your dog, your puppy that's laying over here. Yeah, I watched yeah. it all. I, I can't believe I wasted those two minutes of my life on it. But is it strange that as they get weirder, it makes me think they're going to play even better? There's some I, of that there. There's like, it's it's like... um. I like my inside backers weird, man. Like real weird. Like it, it's almost like there's some um little bit of cabin fever going on there or something. Like maybe they've been stuck in the film room too long. Something going on. It's man, weird. So, it could be a cry for help and we're just misreading it. I don't know. You got disheveled beards, um, you know, weird haircuts. Uh 
weird sense of humor looks like they're on the right path. Yeah. And and maybe their transition coming on the path to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, we talk about this every year when it comes out. Uh, Rocky Kalmus, Josh Heupel, and Dewey Selman are three of 78 names on the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame ballot. Ted, you played with two of these guys. Uh, I mean, just how uh, I know Rocky meant a lot to you as a mentor and you know, hype was was a leader in that locker room, and during that national championship run, just how cool is it to see those two guys get their names on the list? Because it, it it really is. It's a really big deal just to be on the ballot. Yeah, you know, it's incredible. Um, you know, Heupel is he's such an interesting because he's his demeanor as a player is almost the exact opposite of how he is as a coach. You know, as a coach, he's he's just grumpy. You know, he's he's oh, he's I a, know, a grumpy coach. Um, you rarely get him to smile or say anything good. But as a player, he was super positive, um, super outgoing, super confident. Um, you know, he. One of the interesting things is he moved. And and did some stuff outside of the pocket. He was a way he was way more mobile than what he gets credit for. I'm not suggesting the guy's Kyler Murray, but um, was way more mobile than than people gave him credit for. Uh, you know, just had everyone understands that he wasn't a uh, a big arm guy. Like he he didn't have just incredible arm talent, but what he did have was incredible timing with what, what he, the arm strength that he did have. And it just made for a beautiful deep, deep ball through like real high, deep balls, let guys run under it. Accurate. Um, just, a. I mean, if he doesn't transfer in, I, I don't know what happens at Oklahoma. I mean, Leach, I deed him up there at snow junior college. Like this is exactly who he wants and came in at the, at the time broke all the records and, you know the rest is history. Uh, had a had a really nice claim to the Heisman Trophy, but he ended up taking home the one that matters. He's your last national championship winning quarterback at Oklahoma. Crazy. Yeah, and I do think that his success that he's having at Tennessee, it as a head coach, it shouldn't matter, but it does. Has to. It does. It 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 adds uh, it adds to his case. So maybe it, maybe it takes a couple more years of him winning and winning and winning there in Knoxville, but that's why I am, I'm rooting for Tennessee because if they keep winning, now obviously I'm not going to root for them when they're playing Oklahoma, but if they keep winning, I think his his case for the Hall of Fame gets stronger. Yeah, whether that's right or wrong, it's supposed to be about what you were as a player, right? But we all know, notoriety, man, it's more than that notoriety name is going to be fresh for a lot of people and um you know the year he had last year is going to carry over and you know he 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 walked into a sleeping giant there at tennessee and it's kind of the same thing whenever he walked into to oklahoma you know with where that program was at the time whenever he's playing quarterback so um he's going to be in for sure and deservedly so rocky calmus we can talk about the Butt Kiss Award. 
right? He's still got the school record for tackles for loss. But is there anything cooler for an inside backer than being voted the toughest player in college football by Sporting News? Why don't we still give that that award? But that that has to be the pinnacle of playing inside backer. And it's the truth. The dude pretty much had a cast on his entire career on, you know, on, on a thumb, on a played with a broken ankle. Uh, dude, is, he's just incredible. Um, you know, I, a lot of times, like, like for me, obviously coach Venables was a massive influence on, on me as a player, me as a, as a person. And, but usually it's, it's, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say usually in my, in my case, I can make the claim that Rocky had a bigger impact on me as a player than maybe even my position coach did. You know, I was extremely lucky to come in, which by the way, you know, Rocky was like, he was one of the biggest recruits in the country whenever he was at Jinx. And I, I was, I was a couple years younger, but I knew who he was and, you know, really looked up to him before he ever stepped foot on OU's uh, campus. And it just continued from there. And like, whenever I, actually showed up to OU I was like starstruck you know and and to be able to play next to him and and really my first year watch him and see all of the success and see how you handle yourself in meetings see how you handle yourself on the field like he's an absolute stud he's as good as they come and like for me never would have come close to being the player that I was if I wasn't able to watch him do it every single day. And I, I just, I can't say enough about the guy. Incredible. He's huge. He's tough. He talks a ton of shit on the field, maybe more than anyone I've ever played with, which is strange. Um, saw him fight someone at the top of the hill at the duck pond in summer workouts for not getting their hand in to, uh, to break it down after the, the uh the run i uh, he's he's just he's a football player man that's that's as good as they come right there yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he gets in uh, eventually i i i don't know how much better of a resume you can have as an inside backer other yeah it's coming here it is my annual reminder other than James Laurinaitis at Ohio State? Who's Other the... than Teddy Lehman at Oklahoma. College Football Hall of Fame. Do us all a favor. And I I, I actually complained to about it one time on Twitter, and they DM'd me, and they blamed OU about it. Uh, true story. True story. They're like, actually, the balloting process, the nomination. I was like, I don't care. Yeah, well, it's on you to, to talk to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing is – you know, there's a long list of very, very um, um, deserving guys at the University of Oklahoma that are not in yet that will be. And you are one of them, my friend. Mm-hmm. The annual reminder, people, 
tweet at the college football hall of fame and tell them you want Teddy Lehman in. And I love how mad this makes Teddy at me. It's one of my favorite annual traditions, but we got to get him in. Okay. Dewey Selman. I'll leave. We'll we'll veer off that. I know it makes you uncomfortable. Dewey Selman. Guy won a lot of games, a lot of tackles. My good. I would go through the stats. Sometimes you forget 22 tackles in the OU Texas game in 74. He had 13 tackles in that Michigan Orange Bowl and, and that went just an insane run while he was at Oklahoma. Incredible. What uh 43, 2, and 1 was his record whenever he was at OU. Here's the crazy thing. Lost to Kansas and Colorado. That is crazy. You're right. Yeah. 4-0 against Texas, never lost to Nebraska, um, tied that USC. That, that was the, the tied. USC is the number one team in the country, I believe, that year. Um, just incredible. All right, here's the thing. How do you skip over a Selman on a ballot and not check that box? Right. That's, that's a fair point. What, Two-time four straight National Big 8 champion. titles? Yep. Four straight Big Eight titles, back to back national titles. Does it work against him that both of his brothers were awesome players, or does are it you, help? Him? Are you telling me like perhaps there's some Selman fatigue? Is there Selman fatigue in the Hall of I, Fame? I don't think so. I think Good. it helps. I think it's like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, of course Dewey Selman's in. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I. How, is this his first year on the ballot? Do you I know? don't remember us talking about him. Now I could be wrong. I the answer is I don't know. But yeah. I don't remember us talking about him the last couple of years. Do you? I don't. So I because Roy I, got in and Roy had been on the ballot. Yeah, I think I think I think Dewey gets in. I I think to me he's uh like I said you don't skip past the Selman. Um, I think he'll get in and. I I would say Hypel just because of how relevant the name is right now. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most significant thing that has happened for OU football in these last couple of days. I like this first one. It, it comes from Ryan Kenyon, who says, no news. That is the goal for this offseason. No news is good news. That's a great annual reminder. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. It, no news is good news. Whenever whenever things are quiet and the players have a tendency to uh, to have a lot of time on their hands, no news is good news. I like that. Yeah, and then Herbert Von Solte said, not getting Sammy Brown, but everyone knew that was in order. So that's the five-star linebacker. He would become quite, quite the uh, – quite the figure on social media with the haircut and the weightlifting videos and all that stuff, but ends up choosing Clemson. Yeah. And it's kind of felt like that for a while. Um, you know, he, he knows Venables isn't there anymore, right? Yeah, he does. I, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time talking to him at one of the spring practices, really good kid, um, been coached really well. Uh, he he's going to be an absolute stud. So, yeah, um, 
I, I don't think we ever had much of a shot. Like we had a little bit of it in, I mean, obviously with Venables being at Clemson where, where he wanted to play. And I think Ted Ruth, like maybe coached his dad or played with his dad. There was some type of connection there. Um, but it, that one's kind of felt like Clemson for a while. So we'll see. We'll catch him on the, on the transfer portal. Yeah. Don't, don't bird the bridge. Oh, you fans. You never know. That's right. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy seventh birthday to Audrey Ann Board. Happy 28th birthday to Jason Foster. And happy birthday to Junior Walker. Ted, he's a man. He's 40. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. All That's right, let's awesome. finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first... Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org financial aid is available and attention business owners you need insurica in your life insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas and the southwest insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your best business Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too if your business wants to be best in class. Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always said, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I guess I'm going to go with the uh, all of the hundred millionaires from the Live Golf Tour that are now all of a sudden PGA back on the PGA Tour with some heavy pockets. Dude, when that dropped, I was doing I was doing radio on on Sirius XM. I was like, oh my, because you and I we are. I would consider us we're we're not we're not huge golf guys. We're not following it as closely as some guys do, but you and I, we really enjoy watching golf. Yeah. And it felt like something like this would maybe happen in the future. Once everything settled out, but for it to happen now, Whoa, what yeah. I was stunned. It felt like, I mean, you could tell the tide was turning, right? Because Rory had really softened his stance lately. And, you know, you'd heard a couple of people hint that maybe they should, you know, possibly find a way to work together on, on those guys playing in majors and stuff. But I did not see this happening. Why? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the uh, the public shaming campaign that the PGA put the Live Golf players through, the Live Golf funding blood money the cowards the the morally bankrupt players 
that left the PGA to go play for the Live Golf Tour, and then we'll merge. Wow. I there there's so many things to discuss with this, and if anyone, if you're living under a rock, uh, Live Golf, or I guess it's it, it it's the Saudi Arabian government is what it is, but it, it's their investment fund. It's it's called the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, and they own Live Golf. And Live Golf, the PGA Tour, and the DP World Tour, which is the European Tour, are all now under the same umbrella of an unnamed entity that is going to be bankrolled by the Public Investment Fund, right? So Saudi Arabia. That is basically the way that I see it. And I I saw what Jay Monahan said about the structure and how the PGA Tour is still going to control things and the board of the big entity, like the PGA Tour is supposed to have a majority on of seats on it, all that stuff. Man, they bought they bought pro golf. That's what they did. Yeah. They know what they bought, and you may think you're in control, but you're not. It's well, you you're in control because they're allowing you to be in control. Yeah, as soon as, as soon they as don't they, like what you're doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, come on. I don't know if the players don't uh, show up to his house with pitchforks uh, by the the end of this evening. Like that's apparently well. It sounds like everyone kind of heard about it at the same time. Like if you weren't in the room whenever the deal was brokered, like you didn't know. That's players. That's that's media. That's everyone. So, like most guys were finding out as journalists were calling to get their reaction. Yeah, on, on both sides, live guys didn't know. I I saw something that Greg Norman didn't know till he got a call right before it got announced publicly. So there were a handful of people in a room getting this deal done and none of them were the players. And those are the guys that drive this whole thing. And that's how Jay Monahan. I wonder how, I wonder what the contract looks like that he signed because all these players have to hate him. You, you mentioned how we vilified, all the live guys, right? Just destroyed them publicly. Remember when we bought up 9-11 and that whole thing in that oh, interview yeah. with Jim Nance? Blood money. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, he he put that on those live golf guys. I, I mean, just destroyed them publicly. And on the other side, he told the PGA tour guys, like, hey, do the do what's right. You know, yeah, make sure, hey, what what's the moral thing to do? Be loyal the history of the tour and of the game, like don't take that money. And then, I mean, guys turned down huge amounts of money to stay loyal and do the right thing. And then what a year later he says, yeah, no, we're going to, yeah, we're all in this together now, guys. Sorry about that. I, I hate to say it, but Tiger Woods is the biggest loser. They would have gave him a billion dollars and he could have played like a handful of live events and now be right back where he was sitting originally. 
I bet I know that a lot of people see uh, there's a lot being made, like Ricky Fowler. They offered him, I think uh, the figure I saw was 75 million. Turned it down. Uh, that's that's rough. Never earned that again. Hey, whatever the whatever the figure was for Tiger Woods, oh, it's still on the table. He's Tiger Woods. Yeah, he's Tiger Woods. It's he's- uh, if Tiger Woods wants it. I'm sure Liv Golf would be like, absolutely, Tiger, let's do it. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, I I saw some of this out there that, well, Liv was was really struggling and, you know, the PGA. They weren't struggling in Tulsa. Well, they're not struggling. Do people realize that Saudi Arabia is floating on cash. Like you probably can't even put a number to what that public investment fund is worth. It probably the number probably doesn't even exist. And it will keep coming forever. Like there is no stop to it. They can throw away billions of dollars and never even notice. I cannot wait for more details to come out about how this thing came together. I know. I mean, because there was, there were all the lawsuits, right? There was all the litigation with this partnership. It, I guess it's technically not a merger. I don't even know what you call it, but I don't either. It, it's honestly, it's a takeover. It's what it is. But all of those go away. All the litigation goes away. Right. Yeah. And somehow, <laughs> The BJ tour keeps its tax exempt status in the process, which that's what I want to know is what the DOJ was looking at all that, right? Because that was part of, you know, when live golf was suing them for the antitrust stuff and all like that, that became a piece of it. I want to know what they found. And I want to know how big of a piece did that play in the PGA tour going, okay, we're doing this deal. Let's go. We got to move. We got, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't think anyone knows anything right now. That's the crazy thing, and details I'm sure are going to trickle out. Um, the players are going to uh, drag Monahan up in front of uh, the group and and tell him or tell them what like what's going on. Like, I he's not going to survive this, is he? I. There's no way. The only way he survives it, and remember, he did this without talking to any of the players who are what drive the tour. Unless he's got something in place, which I've got a feeling he does, he's got, he, I bet you he has something signed with the Saudis. Like, hey, if I do this, I'm going to be the most hated dude ever. I need certain assurances. I need some blood money. I need, you know, all that money you wanted to give the guys that I told them not to take. I want all of it. That's probably what he did. That's crazy. Which which I, how, how that guy who everyone is, who all the players is going, they're going to hate him for one reason or another, how that guy is supposed to be in charge of growing and leading professional golf into this new frontier. I don't know how that works. It can't work, right? Like, there's no way. 
I don't know how any of it works anyways. Yeah, what's it going to look like? I don't know how it I don't know what it looks like beforehand. I How can the PGA Tour be a tax exempt nonprofit? It's anything but not a this is not a you know what I'm saying like so I don't like I don't even have the basis of knowledge of how things were before I can't grasp that so I dang sure can't grasp it now I this is what I can't grasp if I've learned anything and I I don't have a normal office job okay I don't but if I've learned anything in life the people with the money make the rules right? Mm -hmm. Those with the gold make the rules. It's been a saying for a very long time. And you're trying to tell me that there's going to be this umbrella over all these, over the three tours, right? Live PGA and then uh, the DP world tour. And you're telling me that the PGA tour is just going to get to do what it wants. And then at the high, like the high entity, whatever it's going to be called, the PGA tour is going to control that. And they're going to tell the people that are putting up all the money, what is going to happen and what they're going to do. That don't make no sense from no. everything I've been able to gather from life. Uh, maybe I miss, maybe I'm misreading the press release, but I read it like 10 times. I, I just, I don't foresee that happening the way that it's kind of laid out in the release. I don't either. I don't, I, I, I just, I don't know. And how are, how are the three tours, right? They're all going to run, e run each other separately, but how are, how's it all going to fit together? I don't know. How's that, how are the tours going to cross over? Like, are PGA guys going to be able to go over to live? Like, which one's going to be the premier tour? I don't know. I I guess I assumed, like, for the time being, is that the live golf guys play out their contract in live golf, but also, like, play the majors and the big events, like, where they want the best field. But, like, I don't know. Maybe Maybe live golf has an invitational where some PGA guys are invited. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know think, this. I think they'll probably have like the ranking, like, cause that's always, that's been a, a point of contention. Like somehow the rankings and point system is probably going to merge for the majors, I guess. I don't know. If you just look at it in its simplest form, it was probably a good day for golf and golf fans. We're we're gonna get the best players playing golf against each other on yeah. the same courses. That's what we want, right? So my question is when it comes to, you know, one of the things in the release, like, hey, this promote and grow the game of golf. Well, what's that look like? Because if you take the 50 best players in the world and you put them on one tour and you travel them across the world, all these different places and new people get exposed to golf. Is that's what, is that best for golf? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that 
I think some of the things that Live Golf does is is really good. I guess we really find out who who really won this deal by whether or not PGA players are going to be able to wear shorts, right? Is that is, is that how we tell who the real winner is? Like if if they can wear shorts out there on the on the PGA tour like the Live Golf guys can. I don't know. Like honestly, I think that the more interesting the competition is, the better. And that doesn't always necessarily mean like the best player, like the best courses, the best format. Um, I I think there's some things that, that live golf does that I think would translate really well to the PGA tour that I think they, a lot of like the traditional people because of the rift that was, um, falsely created by the PGA, I think a lot of people turned their nose up at some of the things that Live Golf were doing, but we already saw that they're changing some of their events to do it the same way, right? Yeah. That and took they said about in, 15 They minutes. said in the release that the team, the team golf is going to be an emphasis moving forward. See, I love the team aspect of it. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, in Live Golf, like it's, it hasn't had a chance to to really take off because they haven't, you know, they just don't have the TV deal and and everything and the way it was split. But I think the team aspect could really take off with the PGA. Yeah. All right. Was that your winner and loser? Well, no, I had a loser. I, I've got I've got one last thing. I've got a prediction for pro golf. Okay. You don't buy the entirety of professional golf to not have a huge event in your country. And I don't know if it's going to be a fifth major or what. Like I don't know if it's going to be the biggest purse in all of golf. There's going to be something. Maybe it's the end of the season, right? Where that's where it's the FedEx Cup now. I don't know what it's going to be. There will be something massive in Saudi Arabia, something very significant in the sport of golf because they just bought the damn sport. You don't buy it and then not put something massive and important in your country. You just don't, that that doesn't make any sense. It's coming. I just don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be um, an event played on floating pallets of cash uh, in the ocean. You know, whatever billion dollars to the winner. Who cares? Yeah, spigots never turning off. I the the country is the like the population of California or less. And there's just like a never ending supply of money constantly going. You could, they couldn't even spend it fast enough. If they tried it's everywhere. Bill Mickelson went through hell. It seemed like for a stretch there, but I'm going to give the guys credit. He made a ton of money in the process and he changed the sport. Now we'll see what that change ends up looking like. But Phil, I I mean, he did it. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. Yeah, and, and I could tell, like, um, friend of the show, Taylor Gooch, was really eaten up by the uh, the whole thing, you know. <laughs> Just a drinking hand on the beach by the pool, uh, like what happened? What's going on out there, guys? Did I didn't notice anything different today? I awesome. I think a lot of those live golf guys were feeling pretty smart 
about the decision they made today. Oh my gosh. Free money. And there were some guys that were real sad. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine how many guys had like 20, 50, 75, 100 plus million dollar? Like, what do you think Rory's offer was? Uh, approximately a gajillion dollars. I don't know. Yeah. Incredible. 500, 250, 250 at the least, probably. You'd need a pry bar to get my hands off of the neck of Jay Monahan right now if I was Rory McElroy. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't even. He, dude, they made him the moral compass. They charted him out there week after week after week. I mean, he was the messenger. And then yeah. they, I don't even think they told him. And like, no, they didn't. And it's like, they forced a bunch of friends into really bad situations with one another. Right. I yeah. mean, I know, I know not all of those guys are just buddy, buddy, but you know, a lot of them had like good relationships and because of pressure from the top, were forced to really sever those, those ties. Brutal. But at least we're going to get everybody in the Ryder cup now. Thank God. Yeah. That's no longer an issue, right? Everyone's good. We're good. I want to see in Poulter's think. pants. Phil better be there. I listen. I everyone's available for the Ryder Cup, right? It's it's all in the same umbrella. Same umbrella. Everyone is is going to be there. The live golf guys are just going to get there via the flying fortress or the flying <laughs> nightclub or whatever the hell that thing is that they ride around in. You know. And Hideki Matsuyama is going to be on Spirit Airlines. Did you see that picture? Oh, gosh. He was flying Spirit Airlines, Ted. Dang. Brutal. Yeah. All right. You said you had a loser. Who's your? That was a lot of golf. Yeah. Um, quick. The Rangers, Jacob deGrom, mm. Al, UCL, uh, surgery, no big deal. Signed a five-year, $185 million contract and not going to be able to pitch for at least 12 months. Um, only got a handful of innings out of him. I don't think he's pitched since late April and uh, going to be out for, for 12 months. The Rangers have been doing fine without him. Second best record in baseball right now, but that sucks whenever you make a big free agent signing like that. You're going to get guy that's you know, he's already had some injury issues the last couple of years. You pile this on there. He's going to be, you know, two years older into that contract, man. Uh, sucks for the Rangers. Too bad they don't have a never-ending supply of cash like Saudi Arabia does. Or maybe they do. I don't know. Hey, good reminder, pro athletes, take the money. Cash in. Cash, cash in, in when you can. If we've learned anything. Over the last 24 hours, cash in when you can. Morals be damned. I'm kidding, kind of. But, <laughs> ah, man. Those, I want to know which guy, other than Tiger, I want to know which guy, like the money that would have meant the most to that turned it down and what the sum was. You know what I mean? For That'll the, come out pretty quickly, I For bet. the PGA Tour guys, that's, that's, that's what I want to know. I bet a lot of guys are going to be like, let me just tell you what I turned down. 
They should. I hope they all put it out there. Yeah. Make it right. Yeah. We'll see how they make it right. They're not going to. All the money's going to Jay Monahan and her running the new entity, apparently. It's like we had a fund of several hundred million dollars to make it right. And uh, Jay Monahan took it. Like that's. (laughs) He took the like he was go, going to be the guy that dispersed it, and he dispersed it to himself. Oh. Seen again. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for forty years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. Carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. Buy a newer used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong, the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. Great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at Vance Auto Group. Com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Ladies and gentlemen, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, Olympics in Oklahoma City. Did you see this, Ted? Ooh, I did not. Okay. So, the International Canoe Federation. Yes, that is a real thing known as the the ICF. (laughs) Yes, the International Canoe Federation released a report, and it said Oklahoma City has a very good chance to host at least six events for the 2028 Summer Olympics. Mm. So you look at 2028 Olympics, Los Angeles is the host city, but I guess it would cost an estimated $100 million for them to build temporary facilities that would be satisfactory for the canoe slalom events. And according to this report, Oklahoma City and Charlotte have the facilities. They have them in place to host these events. So all that stuff that we've built along the Oklahoma River, I guess it's the perfect place to host all this stuff. I love Oklahoma City. I never in my wildest dream thought that the Olympics would be in play here. I never thought that as much as I love this city. This is cool as hell, man. I hope it happens. Like I, I'm trying not to get my hopes too high. I've got some time. It's not till 2028, but this would be very, very cool. No, it's interesting. Sounds like what you're telling me is there's things to do in Oklahoma City that you can't do in LA. Those are the words of the International Canoe Federation. Fascinating. I've been led to believe we're a bunch of damn horse riding hicks here and there's nothing to do. 
but I guess we've got an Olympic uh, canoeing facility. Let's hang our hats on that, baby. That sounds yeah. awesome, though. Seriously, that's that is uh, that's really cool. Six events, nothing to turn your nose up at. Um, and by the time the 2028 Olympics roll around, like the the big resort there on the river will be done, yeah. and you got Scissor Tail Park and all that stuff is right there. That's that's awesome. Really yeah. cool. Can and can you imagine how many shirts? Olympic rings, right? And it just says OKC underneath it. Can you imagine how many of those shirts I'm going to buy? Where do you think they put the... There's got to be a a huge Olympic rings statue or something that goes oh, up. Yeah. Where do you think that goes? Devon Tower on the top? Yeah, <laughs> like a cake topper? Lit up in natural gas forever, for eternity on top of Devon Tower. Funded, funded by Saudi Arabia? Funded in part by Saudi Arabia. Yeah. I... The flaming rings. Yeah, you got to put it somewhere. Like you got to display it prominently, right? Yeah, I, it would. It would just be very, very cool. And I looked it up. Only three cities in the United States have hosted summer Olympics events: St. Louis, L.A., and Atlanta. And now the International Olympic Committee realized that these host cities shouldn't be spending unbelievable amounts of money to build things so that they can host every event, build things that they're never going to use and, again, where you have like these big ghost cities and stuff. Yeah. Right. So they, they finally realized that that didn't need to happen. So the fact that Oklahoma city could now be on that short list of cities in the United States that have hosted summer Olympic events, like that's, that's so cool to me. I, I don't know. I, mean, I know I was born here. I know I live here now, but it's just, it just feels like a massive deal. Yeah. I, I, I think it's awesome. I, you got me stoked, man. You know, I'm an, I'm an Olympics guy, big yeah. Olympics guy. Listen, we're going to watch some canoe slalom. If it's here, me and you pal. Damn straight. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Olympics. We'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll like, do a report live report. We could be, you know how they send like, just to like raise awareness, they send like a couple of local people out there to do the events, the dorky helmets on and stuff. Yeah. We'll be, we'll, we'll do the, uh, the double canoe down the rapids yeah. awesome. live report as they go through you and I just get bounced around in one of those things. Oh, all right. For my loser of the week. Thought about going with Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if that was a bit or not, but you got to let Travis Kelsey say whatever he was going to say at the presidential podium. You just got to let it happen, Mahomes. Come on, man. That how funny was that clip? He's like the younger brother, or or I don't know, drunk uncle or someone that you've always got to keep your eye on, right? Always. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, but loser of the week, Florida Panthers. Ooh. Got smacked in game two of the Stanley Cup final, seven to two. They are now down 0 2 to the Vegas Golden Knights, and Vegas jumped all over them for nothing. Uh, see, I, I don't know a ton about hockey, but things just seem a little too easy for Vegas, right? It, it may be things drastically change now that the series is headed to Florida, but we're, Vegas just looks bigger. They look way faster. Uh, they just, they just look better. They get, they're getting all kinds of clean looks. 
I mean, Aiden Hill has been fantastic in the net for him. It's just Bobrovsky looks like he's having a terrible time in the net for the Panthers. Dude is under assault. He's under siege by pucks. It seems like the entire game. It's just, I'm, I'm afraid we're getting a bit of a dud of a Stanley cup final, Ted. It's unfortunate. You know, part of me feels bad. The other part of me can't stop laughing my ass off that Canadians are the ones that really like hockey. And when's the last time, like in the nineties is the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley cup. Yeah. Vegas. It's like, ah, throw a, you know, a, a, a new team out in Las Vegas. What's the worst that could happen? And they've been amazing ever since. There's no hockey fans in Vegas, and they get a team like the Vegas Knights going to be uh, hoisting the Stanley Cup. That is not what fandom is about. But it does does make me feel bad for the Canadians that live and die on the sport. The 1993 Montreal Canadiens, mm. the last Stanley Cup final winner based in Canada. Mm. Mm. But the hockey crazed town of Las Vegas is about to have a Stanley cup. Yeah. You know where it was like 110 degrees today. Yeah. That, that place that, that has to be fresh. Now I will say the Bruins, uh, they had, what was that series against the, the best record in hockey or something? Didn't they? Yeah. They had the best, they had the best regular season ever. Ever in the history yeah. of the NHL. Wow. And the Panthers came back. They were down 3-1 in that series. So, maybe too early to bury the Panthers, but, man, they've been getting whooped, dude. Whooped. Yeah. On that note, episode 325 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop hopefully Friday morning. Come on, Sooners. <laughs> I, I need you to go, too. I need you to go, too. Dude, just win, too, and get it done. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. I guess if we do Friday, I'll say have an awesome weekend. Then. I'm nervous, Ted. <laughs> think of the recording schedule. OU softball, just think of it. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time